Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, EPL Index proudly brings to you the best prediction podcast in the world, a tad predictable, with your host, Siriwa Chanakira, and his guest, Jake Jackman. It's Game Week 28, and you know what that means, it's time for another brand new episode of a tad predictable guys it's getting super spicy when it comes to bank it or burn it and executive producer guy drinkle did his second go of bank it or burn it and i will reveal his score a little bit later on but here for today's episode we've got a guest who is obviously keen to get his hands on that bank it or burn it trophy um, I don't know if it will be as big if you win it, Jake, as what Guy is planning for his one. Apparently, he's willing to blow the entire budget of the podcast if he wins. Um, but how are you feeling about Banker or Burnett later on? And then obviously just Newcastle in general. We might go into a bit of depth um, as I look into that first game that we've got on the fixture list. But but how are you doing? Yeah, I'm doing well. Uh, obviously, Happy to be back on the podcast and hoping to, to give a good good account of myself later on in the bank it'll burn it. Um Newcastle, yeah, fa- fairly happy and confident. Obviously got a win at the weekend. First win in a while, so um yeah, I feel like we're we're primed to go on a bit of a run now. Um with with a good fixture list ahead of us. So yeah, com- confident on all fronts. Confident on all fronts, which is always good, um, especially when you've got a competition for Newcastle and for yourself as well involved on this podcast. Now, Jake, um, I mentioned the fact that Newcastle kick us off on this episode. They will be entertaining or they will be traveling to Nottingham Forest. Uh, but before we dive into that game, only seven games this game week. Now you can obviously tell where my allegiances lie when I'm not hosting this podcast because I was surprised there were only seven games, but um you informed me that obviously the FA Cup is on this coming weekend and Liverpool were well and truly out of that quite a while ago. Yeah, exactly. So, uh yeah, it should be a, a shorter podcast, but we can always get into more depth with some of the teams involved. So, yeah, it'll be good. Good discussion ahead of us, I think. Definitely, definitely. Let's let's start with Newcastle. Um Obviously, you mentioned the win last week. Uh, it did it seem nervy at all for you at any point in that game um obviously the result um ends up going in your favor and 
probably a well-earned result in terms of, I think you guys might not have won that many games recently, but the performances deserved more than what you got in some of those games, in my opinion. And then you come up against a Nottingham Forest team who had started putting some points on the board, were starting to try and distance themselves from that relegation talk. But as has been shown, especially this past weekend, those teams at the bottom are going to continue to fight and Nottingham Forest on 26 points. If things don't go well for them this weekend, they could drop from 14th all the way down into that relegation zone. How important a game is it for them? Um, obviously they pride themselves in their home form. And then obviously Newcastle with your aspirations for top four. How important is this game? Um, you're chasing Tottenham, but I'm aware you've got two games in hand on them. Yes, it's a big game for both teams. Um, it's obviously so tight at the bottom. Still um, six or seven teams in it, and none of them really look like pulling away. Um, and nobody really seems to be cut adrift. So it could, could be the best sort of uh, relegation fight for, for the neutral in, in a long time. Obviously not great for those teams involved. Um, but the, uh, I think it's good for, for all of them that there's so many teams involved. Um, you know, because there's more margin for error. You know, you know They're all quite packed together similar points totals you only have to be better than three three other teams um, and in fact there's seven of them you know you've got a more than 50% chance of staying up taking that all into account obviously some have got a few more points now but there's obviously not a lot in it so yeah it's, it's a huge game for Nottingham Forest I think for them their home games are so important because they, they don't seem to be able to get anything away from home um, they're really poor in Tottenham um, and they've been poor in a lot of their away games whereas at home they're a lot better um the crowd seemed to get get on top of opposition teams. We saw Man City go there and, and drop points, um, and they won't be the only ones as well in the in the next um, few months. So, yes, yeah, so a huge game for Nottingham Forest. All the home games are big. For Newcastle, this is a, a big opportunity for us to close the gap on Tottenham. Uh, they obviously play this weekend too, but we we play first. There's a chance for us, um, and also to build some momentum. Um, I'd expect us to 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 dominate the possession um for us to look to counter on us with the pace of Brennan Johnson and Morgan Gibbs White. Um but I think that Newcastle we're gonna have too much for them this weekend. I think we we've got the win last week. Um got players coming back into the team, players coming back into form. Isaac looks as fit as he ever has done since his summer moves. So yeah, I reckon we'll um get the win this weekend. Um and yeah, um, sadly for Forest, I think it's just a, just one of their tougher games they've got left um, at home. They're, they'll be they'll be um, hoping to get their points at home, obviously. But I think this is a tough one for them. So yeah, I'll say two 0 to Newcastle. Two 0 to Newcastle. Nice and confident there. And I think you mentioned an important um, thing and an important signing for you guys in the summer was Isaac. Um, very exciting young player. Huge, huge potential. And he's missed quite a bit of the season, which is probably one of those injuries that goes understated. I've seen a lot of teams complain about the injuries they've had. I've not seen much mainstream coverage on on the news that Newcastle are missing Isaac, but he just seems to fit in quite well with what you guys are doing. He has that youthful exuberance. I'd like to say that confidence to try maybe some things that other players wouldn't be so bold in trying. And I think he... He's that, he is that missing piece. Obviously, you got 
Callum Wilson, who has been a stalwart in terms of getting goals. The injuries are always a worry for him. But I think Isaac is just one of those players that brings that extra bit of excitement that a team needs to be driving them to that top four. Yeah, definitely. He's, um, he looks full of full of energy at the weekend. Caused Wolves so many problems. Got a great header from a set piece. I think his aerial ability was, was a little bit underplayed when we signed him. Um, he wasn't seemed to be great in the air, but that was a a great finish and showed what he can do. Um, he presses from the front. He's direct. He drops into deeper areas and runs with the ball. Um, he just has a lot more to his game than Callum Wilson. So yeah, we we definitely have missed him. And I don't think we've really seen the best of him um, until now. Uh, and hopefully there's a lot more to come. So, yeah, he, he looks t- to be the danger man this this weekend, especially with um, Forrest. We've got a lot of sort of ageing players in their back four. They've obviously missing, that, missing a few centre-backs. Um, I think they're going to really struggle to, to deal with these. Like, so, yeah, I think he's going to be important. Interesting stuff. Yeah, from my perspective, in terms of scoreline predictions, I... I, I, I've given Nottingham Forest the benefit of the, with the home form to give them a goal, but I do think Newcastle go and win this one 2-1. And at, at the moment, I would say Newcastle are in the driving seat in terms of that top four race. I know Spurs have the points in the bag already, but I just feel with the inconsistencies Tottenham have shown this season, yes, Newcastle have struggled recently. Some of that was obviously Bruno Gemmeresh not being there and having to deal with him not being there. Some of it were injuries that I thought were understated, as I mentioned before. I, I think they're, they're well positioned to, to go and really go on a run. As you mentioned, the fixture list as well is quite good for Newcastle. So one to keep an eye on. And as you say, on the bottom end of the table, a lot of teams still in contention there. Um, if Nottingham Forest can get something from this game, any points just to try and hold off that uh, relegation zone as long as they can, I think will do them well. But let's move on to Aston Villa versus Bournemouth. Bournemouth, a team that did very well to kind of boost their hopes of staying in the Premier League. They entertained Liverpool with the early kickoff last weekend. Um, they get the 1-0 win. I predicted a 1-1 draw. Um, I, I was worried about Liverpool going into this game more so with them. And it's not an excuse, but them playing Man United, Bournemouth, then Real Madrid. Liverpool of previous seasons, I thought would have been able to handle all three games equally and give equal attention to all of them. But this version of Liverpool that isn't really playing for much this season, you've seen when, when, when teams that have good players aren't playing for, you know, all the marbles, so to speak. We've seen them turn up for the big games and then just not really turn up the same level of maybe concentration or intensity or, or hunger or motivation to play some of the other games that are maybe not as blockbuster. I thought it was a potential banana skin playing Bournemouth and Bournemouth showed against Man City and Arsenal. They're a good team. You've got to come there and, and treat them with respect. I don't think Liverpool did that. Certainly not the players and the way they approached that game. But do you think Aston Villa can maybe learn from what Liverpool did in that game? And, and obviously it's a home game for Aston Villa, but can they maybe try and get a, a, a crucial home victory after a 1-1 draw last week against West Ham? Um, yeah, I think it's going to be a difficult game to call. I think Bournemouth have been quite good for a while now, or at least much better than they were. I think they made some good signings in January. Um, I think Solanke being back has been important for them. Uh, I don't think the Liverpool win 
it, it was a little bit of a surprise, but I think going into that game, Bournemouth were a little, weren't given as much respect as, as their recent performances perhaps deserved. Um, they obviously uh, nearly beat Arsenal. Um, they were probably quite lucky to be in that position, but you know they did get there. When they played Newcastle a few weeks ago at home, they were very good. Uh, and on another day, would have won. So they've been doing it a lot better. So yeah, I'm not too surprised they did beat Liverpool. Um, with Aston Villa, it feels like Emery's done some good stuff there. Um, sometimes they do concede a few too many goals still. Um, but Ollie Watkins is on such a tear at the moment. You'd expect him to to have a good weekend. Um, but I think with Villa, that they, they know they're not really playing for much. Um, whereas Bournemouth are playing for a lot and. I think that might have play a factor. So I think I'm going to go for a 1-1 draw here. Um, and I think that's probably be a result that, that Bournemouth will be happier than Aston Villa with. But yeah, I think it's going to be 1-1. 1-1 draw in that one. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't know if Aston Villa are going to give Bournemouth as much space on the counter-attack as Liverpool did. It sort of felt like Liverpool played into Bournemouth's hands with with that sort of style of play and not having the concentration levels to execute, you know, the the plan the way they they wanted to. But um it's a tough game for me to predict this one because I I like both teams. Obviously Aston Villa were named the uh tad predictable team for the season that we're rooting for this season. Um not a coincidence that it came the week after Steven Gerrard got fired. I think um, some people in the background had an influence with regards to which team got picked and when it got picked. Um, but hey ho, they're the team was sporting. So I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna back Aston Villa to obviously get through this tough test. It's at home. Um, yes, they got the draw against, uh, West Ham last time out, but I think their ambitions this season, and maybe I'm being a bit harsh, would be, at least try and overtake Chelsea and get into that top half of the league and then look to build next season from, you know, what Una Emery can develop this season. So I've gone with the reverse for my first score. I've, I've gone 2-1 to the home team this time around. Um, I can guarantee I'm not doing a 2-1 scoreline for the Brentford-Leicester game. Now, obviously, that's the next game on our list, but Brentford have another game this week, um, obviously game week 27 for them. They still have to play Southampton away at time of recording. So we're not sure how that game pans out. But what was your reaction to at least their first game of the game week last week? Uh, a 1-0 loss to Everton. I thought um, obviously Everton get their goal relatively early and, and Brentford huffed and they puffed, but they didn't quite um, blow the door down or anything like that. Do they recover against Southampton and then bring that momentum into the game against Leicester, who um, sort of fell apart against Chelsea, really? Um, I, I'm leaning Brentford in this game, but my worry is the amount of games that Brentford will have to play, you know, and the amount of running they'll have in their legs heading into this game against an unpredictable Leicester City this side. I've gone 2-2 draw here. Yeah, I think 2-2 two, two, uh, is a good prediction. I might join you with that one. Uh, I've watched Leicester a lot recently and they've been very unlucky not to score um, more goals than they have done. Um, they created a lot against Chelsea. They just didn't quite put their chances away. And then the week before against Southampton, they created so many clear-cut chances. Um, James Madison on another day would have got four or five assists, but yeah, they just weren't finishing them. Um, Leicester do seem to be dropping at the moment. It's a bit of a concern. They really do need a win. Um, 
but the one thing they've got in their favour is that they've got good attacking players in their team and although they're not taking their chance at the moment I think that will turn eventually um, and I think with Brentford they're sort of going to cruise now to the end of the season I think that they've had a really good campaign uh, they'll probably be happy with mid-table so it might be good opposition for Leicester um, so yeah throughout this I sort of talk myself into a Leicester win so I think I'm going to go Leicester <laughs> 2-1 but I think 2-2 is a good prediction too um, but I see Leicester as the, as the slight favourite just because they've got a bit more to play for a 2-1 win for Leicester in that one. Yeah, and it, I hope that Brentford don't sort of um, go onto the beach really, really early this season. I, I, I'm hoping that they, they push as hard as they can and we see them, you know, go as high as they can up the league. I don't know if it would be a concern for you um, if you're Brentford. Obviously, it's, it's, it's a first world problem to have, you know, playing in European football for a club that maybe wasn't, was hoping to be there, but not expecting to be there if they do end up playing in Europe next season. But do you think that sometimes has a, a strain on a squad if they get there a bit earlier than they were expecting? I mean, we saw it with Burnley, for example, where, they struggle to juggle, you know, European football and Premier League. And you could imagine for a lot of these players, the concentration levels will be heavily weighed towards the European games than necessarily the Premier League games. Um, with them not, maybe many of them not knowing that they're not going to get that chance again. Yeah, definitely it can have an impact. Um, I think with Brentford, they're so well run that they've probably already got plans in place to sort of increase the squad. I know they've got a B team there um, as well. So yeah, I think they'd manage it well. But it, uh, I think if you are a club like Brentford uh, or Brighton, uh, you've got to try and push and get into those European places because you don't know what can happen in the next few years. They could fall back down the leagues. They could, uh, you know, fall back into the championship. You could, you could never predict it with the Premier League where there's sort of those top six now, probably seven clubs of Newcastle that are sort of guaranteed to stay in the league. Um, there's a glass ceiling for you and when you're in that place like Brentford and Brighton you've got to really take advantage when the, the sun shines I think they'll try and push on for it but yeah I think it's easier said than done um, and I think they've got a few weaknesses in their squad that, that probably mean they'll fall off fall off that top seven now but um, it's obviously been a good season yeah, and obviously they'll have one eye on the Ivan Tony situation. Uh, I think that could be a big factor if it gets decided this season, you know, the, if any bans or anything like that get decided for this season, that will have an impact on them. Let's move on to Southampton versus Tottenham. We mentioned Southampton will be playing midweek when we were, um, talking about Brentford a bit earlier on, but, you know, we we can only judge them based on their weekend performance so far in this podcast. They had that nil-nil draw against Man United. Now, obviously, Man United had the red card in that game, you know, and playing against one less men, that impacts the game. Do you think Southampton sort of missed an opportunity here to get points against a 10-man Man United team in a game that they wouldn't have been maybe expecting, objectively speaking, expecting to get points from. They're currently bottom of the Premier League. Um, they could change that on, on Wednesday if, if they beat, um, Brentford. I don't think a draw is enough to get them off of the bottom looking at their goal difference at the moment, but coming up against Southampton, um, against Tottenham on the weekend, a Tottenham side that looked rejuvenated against Nottingham Forest. But again, I've mentioned, you know, that bracket of teams up there. Um, from, you know, uh, 
I could even make an argument for Man City as well not being consistent this season with the level that they've had in previous seasons. But the inconsistencies for teams, yes, Spurs got that result last week, but how much can they rely on that to to be the same situation, the same type of confident performance this week coming up against Southampton? It's away from home. They haven't had the greatest performances away from home recently. Can you figure them out at the moment this season? And how do you think Southampton tackled them? Um, I think with Tottenham, they've just reached the reached sort of a a point in the road with Conte. It looks like he's probably going to leave at the end of the season. Doesn't quite look like it's happy there, um, and that can sometimes get two, two, one of two ways. Sometimes they can the players can sort of pull together, and they can end, see, end the season strongly, knowing that the manager's leaving, or it will fall off. Um, I think you can't read too much into that home game it's not in Forest because Forest has been so bad away from home all season. Um, so, yeah, and with Southampton, I think they've shown some improvement on the sellers. I think they're now more committed. They seem to have more of a an identity. Uh, they've only conceded one Premier League goal in four games under him, so that's sort of some sort of form to, to buy into. That includes clean sheets at Old Trafford and... Um, Stanford Bridge, so yeah, they they did go down to ten men, but even when that happens, sometimes Southampton um went one nil up against Wolves, and and went and Wolves went down to ten men, and Wolves came back and beat them at home. So, um, I think Southampton will still be happy at that point. Um, definitely a point gained because everybody thought they were going to go to to Old Trafford and lose. So, got to take the positives. Another clean sheet. Um, I actually think they're going to beat Tottenham this weekend. I think Tottenham are just they're just so easy to get at sometimes um, I think that Southampton have got so much to play for um, and yeah I think that, that, that improvements are enough for me to to want to back them to win so I think I'm going to go 1-0 to Southampton um, and yeah it would be quite a big result. It would be an absolutely massive result and one of those games that shapes both ends of the Premier League table um, yeah for me I think Tottenham the for me the Nottingham Forest game them winning that so comprehensively made sense to me because after what happened in, you know, that horror week for them where they're out the FA Cup, they don't do well against Wolves and then fail to score against AC Milan in, in the Champions League. Yes, you know, there's that immediate disappointment that the fans have, the players have, the club has as, as a whole. But now there's no pressure on the team, really. I mean, maybe there's pressure for them to make top four, but that's the kind of pressure they've dealt with already in recent history. I mean, more so last season when they weren't expected to make top four. Arsenal were probably bigger favorites than they were, and they navigated their way through that patch and and, and made top four um, and were able to make it into the Champions League for this season. I think that's a comfortable situation for the Spurs players. They know how to navigate that. That area, I think it gets murky in, in, and the, maybe the pressure gets quite intensified when it's places that these players are not necessarily familiar with. Um, I'm, I think Tottenham keep it rolling in this one. Um, I've gone with a 2-0 Tottenham win. I do think that these players, whether they're playing for Conte or not, uh, I'm not sure, but at least I would imagine selfishly for themselves, they've got to be wanting to get back into the Champions League next season. Uh, 
and just that release of, okay, the pressure of, are we going to get that trophy this season? That's now off for them. And I'm going to see, in my opinion, a, a, a freer Tottenham team, a, a less um, intense from a mental side of thing Tottenham team where, where they're, they're almost wrestling with themselves at times in games. And I think that's going to improve their performances and make them um, one of the tougher teams to, to beat for that top four race. I, I mentioned, obviously, I like the position of Newcastle, but I don't think Spurs are going to make it easy for them. Jake, it's it's a shame that this game, along with pretty much all the games that we're going to be discussing for this game week, if you're in the UK, only two games are going to be shown on TV. It's two games. It's the Friday evening game, that Nottingham Forest Newcastle game. So you're definitely covered. Um, then there's also Chelsea versus Everton on Sunday, which we'll get to in, in a little bit. That's also on Sky. So that's going to be covered for them. There's no obviously 1230 BT sport game there. And for fans, for the rest of the, the, the teams in, in the league, they don't know where to watch these games. Well, I've got a, an, a, a very, very good answer for you there. If you guys link up with our presenting sponsors, Liberty Shield, in association with EPRindex.com, um, you can check out Liberty Shield's services at LibertyShield.com. They're a VPN provider. And you, if you guys want to save with the coupon code EPL25, you get 25% off of your router or the software VPN. As I said, it's a virtual private network. That's a technology which encrypts your internet traffic to protect your online identity. It hides your IP address and shields your online data from third parties. You guys can change your locations, avoid geoblocks, government imposed restrictions to access any website. So for example, if you, if the games are being shown on Peacock and obviously you don't have that here in the UK, if you have Liberty Shield, you can change your geolocation to the US get Peacock, watch the games. I mean, I I favor watching them on Supersport, the South African um, provider. They show every single Premier League game live in South Africa. So that that's through Liberty Shield. That's how I watch my games all the way here in the UK. I watch it through Supersport in South Africa. Um, guys, go and check out the EPL Index shop. You can find it on Etsy. If you use the coupon code EPL10, you get 10% off at checkout. Let's head over to your last game that's relevant for Banquet or Burnett. It's Wolverhampton versus Leeds United. For me, I've enjoyed watching Leeds uh, recently, pretty much most of the season, to be fair to them. But recently, I've enjoyed watching them. Obviously, the frustration of them not putting the ball in the back of the net, I guess, for me, is a, is not as intense because I'm not a Leeds fan. I can imagine it being absolutely aggravating if you are a, you know, a Leeds fan. But in terms of just watching their games, their games always seem to be exciting. We saw last week that 2-2 against Brighton. Um, they entertain a Wolves side who have shown some metal. Um, you faced them last time out. So you're probably best equipped to give us an assessment on Wolves. But again, I'm looking at Leeds United and I'm thinking they're going to be involved in another exciting game this week. Yeah, this is going to be um, another big one at the bottom. Um, I think Wolves have been better recently. They've been um, they seem to be more settled under to, under Lopetegui. I think that Neves looks like he's playing well. They they weren't great at Newcastle. Um, they sort of got a goal quite fortunately. Um, 
And then when they got back into the game, they sort of went to three at the back and it sort of fell apart for them. Uh, in hindsight, it's probably a bad decision from Lopetegui, but they've got some good players. Uh, I think at home, especially, there'll be, there'll be strong fancies here. Um, Leeds, I'm not quite convinced about. They're probably one of the teams that I'm thinking will go down at this point. Um, they just don't seem to be able to, to put a run of good performances together. Um, so yeah, I think I want to go for Wolves for this one. Um, I don't think there's going to be a lot of goals, but, um, yeah, I think, I think Wolves will win. Um, I'll go 2 0. Turn on to Wolves, and we'll see how that impacts obviously your bank it or burn it predictions. Yeah, for me, I'm I'm staying true to the excitement of Leeds games. I'm gonna go with the two two. I think Leeds go back to back two two draws for this one, and it's purely because they somehow seem to pull the best out of teams um, of late. Maybe that's not a great thing for Leeds if if you're thinking you want to get the results and maybe just a dull. Um, if they can get a, a dull victory in that one, that will be good. But um, yeah, I'm, I, I just have a feeling that they're going to be able to pull Wolves into an interesting game. Um, obviously, Wolves have a lot of new players in January that they're trying to bed in, and we'll see whether or not that chemistry is there yet for a game like this, where I think Leeds are going to require them to do a lot of running, a lot of communication, a lot of um, chemistry is going to be involved in that game. And yeah, why well, miss a chance to watch Noto play out wide, in my opinion? But Jake, let's move on to Bank It or Burn It. Um, but before we do that, we will be right back with our guest after this sh- short break. And we are back. Now, Jake, I, I teased, obviously, Guy Drinkle's score. Um, at earlier on in the podcast, he started off with his first attempt. He got 16 out of 25. You obviously got 14 out of 25. Riley got 16 out of 25 for himself as well. So we got two people that are on 16 out of 25. Um, guy then had a second attempt and he's got on 16 out of 25 again. Um, and obviously when the score was revealed to him, uh, I think I've still got his message on the group chat here. He sent in a, a meme that said, you have to be consistent. And he thinks that consistency is going to be the key for him, that he's going to ride this all the way to a playoff against Riley on the final day and, and sort of take the title there. Do you have anything to say for that? I think there's still a lot of weeks left in the season. So, yeah, I wouldn't get, I think 16 to my beatable score. I think it's a very beatable score. And as I said, guys already planned his, in the last episode, he told us his plans for his parade. Um, it's going to involve his dog and a sled, um, maybe some pyro and a very, very big trophy that might blow the entire budget of the podcast. So if this is our last season, um, I hope we at least go out with a bang, but I'm not so confident that Gadrinkle's going to win this championship. I've got my, my backing on. Other people, literally, it's an anyone but Guy Drinkle campaign because I think he's finagled his way into this competition. I think he's sort of chummied up to the suits upstairs and somehow gotten onto this competition. And I, I just, I can't have him winning it. I cannot live with him for an entire year with him, you know, holding this title. So let's, let's try and get you 
to at least break that tie, that 16 out of 25 tie that we currently have with Guy and Riley. Um, your game, your games that are relevant for this are obviously the ones we've discussed. You've got Nottingham Forest versus Newcastle, Aston Villa versus Bournemouth, Brentford versus Leicester, Southampton versus Spurs and Wolves versus Leeds. Your questions are over 850 total passes. B, less than 35 clearances. C, over three yellow cards. D, ahead of goal. And E, fist pump goal celebration. Now, obviously, I'm going to put 15 seconds on the clock for you. You're going to try and answer all five of those questions in each of the five rounds relevant to the fixtures. There's going to be 15 seconds. I'm going to read them out. If you think the situation's going to happen, you're going to shout bank it. If you think the scenario is not going to happen, you're going to shout burn it. Are you ready to go? Yeah. Right. For all the marbles. Well, maybe. Hopefully. For all the marbles. Um, we'll start off with Nottingham Forest versus Newcastle. Hopefully this is a good omen game for you to kick off, um, your bank it or burn it second attempt. Your time starts now. Over 850 total passes. Bank it. Less than 35 clearances. Bank it. Over three yellow cards. Bank it. Headed goal. Burn it. Fist pump goal celebration. Burn it. Oh, I thought you were going to go for a full blank banquet list there. We'll let the clock run out just so, you know, people can see that Jake is just a natural at this. He had plenty of time to go. Let's move on to Aston Villa versus Bournemouth. Now, obviously, this is a game that you've predicted 1-1. How heavily do you factor your score predictions into your banquet or Burnet predictions? Oh, heavily. I've got a, a big spreadsheet in front of me. Don't worry. It's all planned out. Excel <laughs> spreadsheets really, and it's, everything. It's, like it's not that planned out. <laughs> Look, Guy Drinkle went from pitching up on the day and saying, hit me with the questions to, I have a sneaky feeling he now prepares for Bank or Burn. He's taking it very seriously this season. Um, so yeah, it, it's getting competitive. So I'm, I'm, I must warn you, that's what you're up against. I know Riley for a fact, he, he wants to come in. Uh, his first season on the show and just wipe the floor with everyone. Um, that, that was his goal heading in. So, you know, you, you got to step up here, Jake. You're the OG king of Bank of Burnley. You got, you got to represent. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, as I said, I'm confident. I don't need to make these big statements. I've just got to show up and yeah, get the It'll, job done. Exactly. Brilliant. All right. Aston Villa versus Bournemouth. Your time starts now. Over 850 total passes. Burn it. Less than 35 clearances. Burn it. Over three yellow cards. Bank it. Head a goal. Bank it. First bump goal celebration. Bank it. Okay. You flipped it around there for us. Right. Let's move on to your next game. It's Brentford versus Leicester. The 2-1 win. That was a 2-2, but it got moved to 2-1. So I don't know how much that influences things for you there. Uh, but let's get going and find out. Your time starts. Oh, not now. <laughs> your time starts now. Over 850 total passes. Bank it. Less than 35 clearances. Bank it. Over three yellow cards. Burn it. Headed goal. Burn it. Fist bump goal celebration. Bank it. Bank it. All right, cool. Let's ended off oh no we got two more to go all right southampton versus spurs your time starts now over 850 total passes bank it less than 35 clearances burn it over three yellow cards burn it head a goal bank it 
fist pump goal celebration. Burn it. Burn it. Interesting. All right, let's move on to your last game. Uh, it is Wolves versus Leeds. What was your score prediction? Oh, 2-0 to Wolves. All right. Your time starts now. Over 850 total passes. Burn it. Less than 35 clearances. Burn it. Over three yellow cards. Bank it. Headed goal. Burn it. First bum goal celebration. Banker. Banker to end it off. All right. Thank you so much for playing. As you said, you, you, you don't do too much speak. You just get the job done. I'm hoping that you've gotten the job done here. Um, let's move on to the last two games of the game week. Obviously, we mentioned only seven games this week for the English Premier League. There are FA Cup fixtures for you guys to watch out for as well. But let's move on to Chelsea versus Everton. Now, Chelsea, obviously, they they had that game last week where it looked I say shaky in the sense of I know they were creating chances but equally Leicester had chances and didn't seem to know how to score and and that's been a problem for Leicester for a couple of games now um but 3-1 winners against Leicester last time out they had that massive week in the Champions League where they turn it over and you know turn Borussia Dortmund over and, and go through to the next round is this the momentum that Chelsea needed and then playing an Everton side who, yes, won last week, but haven't been playing all too well either this season. It Was it a case of just let's get some some wins on the board for Chelsea and hope that that builds the momentum rather than trying to play better football and that will lead to results? It almost seems like the results came first and now the confidence is, is, is seeping into the players. Yeah, I think with... Um... I think with um, Potter, he just felt that he had to to make a change. Um, it obviously wasn't working. And, and going back to that three at the back, I think a lot of the players that have been at the club a long time have confidence in that formation. Um, and it seems to be working. So, yeah, I think that it's definitely about getting the results first, but he'll be hoping that the performances improve. Um, I think it's going to be a tough game for them. I think Everton will be much better under Sean Dyche. They'll, they'll put the running in. Um, they'll do everything they can um, to, to get a result here. Uh, I think with Chelsea, they still do. They are still a little bit fragile. Um, but that said, I think Everton haven't been at their best away from home um, against the bigger teams recently. So, um, yeah, it's going to be an interesting one. I think I'm going to tip Chelsea for a 2-1 win. Um, but, yeah, I could see I could see any, any of the three results at this point. It's, it's still a difficult game to call. It is. And um, as you mentioned, look, Everton have... Shown some fight, um, massive result for them getting, getting that win last week. And you look at that league table, they're now in 15th. You know, it's, it's crazy how a couple of wins or even just one win at this point in time, just you can leap so far into the, you know, into the abyss at times and then just get dragged all the way down with the wrong result. For Chelsea, would, would you say that, it, you know, Chelsea are out of that top four race or, I mean, I'm looking at their, if we look at them, for example, with with Spurs, they've got a game in hand on Spurs, um, but they're eleven points behind them. And then, you know, looking towards you, seven points behind you, but you guys have played a game less than them. Where do you rank Chelsea in this top four race? If 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 you even do, um, I don't think I do. I don't think it's just the point. It's the point that they've got to overturn, and then they've got to overtake all those teams above them. Um, 
you know, maybe they'll be able to catch one, maybe they'll be able to catch two. It seems unlikely that they're going to catch all those teams and make up the points on all of them. So, yeah, I think I don't think that the top four is realistic for them, but they'll be hoping to, to finish strongly and get as, as high up the table as they can. Uh, and I think getting into Europe uh, in any sort of competition will be important for them. If you're Chelsea and we've seen the the appetite to spend that the owner the owners have shown now, would would it be better not to make Europe? I, I know again it's a it's a first world problem to have, but if the owners are going to spend regardless of whether you make Europe, and we're saying you know top four is pretty much out out of their hands at this point in time, is it not better to be playing just Premier League and domestic cups with a you know, a well-boosted squad, or does that create a headache in its own in the just sheer amount of players that they have and not being able to distribute enough minutes between them? Yeah, I think they'll want to get Europe. I think that it, they've got such a big squad that they can deal with it. And I think just, just being in Europe in any form is better than not being in it at all, uh, especially with Chelsea. They, they don't they don't need the, you know, they 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 can they've got the squad to cope with it. So so not having those extra games, I don't think it would be that beneficial for them. So yeah, I think they'll definitely want to. Interesting stuff. Yeah. Um but reining it back into this game against Everton, I I I worry about Everton's defence against the movement of the Chelsea players. Yes, they've got Dyche there that maybe will prepare them a lot better for for games than what Frank Lampard would have done. But I just think the intelligence, I, I can see the linker play starting to develop with the likes of Enzo and Kai Havertz. You got, um, Jao Felix playing really well with that free, free role he seems to have. I think that's going to be a problem for Everton. I've gone with a 2-0 Chelsea win in this one. Um, and Everton will have to look to pick up their points elsewhere, but let's move on to a team that's hoping to pick up as many points as they can until the end of the season, if not all the points that they possibly can until end of the season. They've not lost a game in a while. They've not even drawn a game in their last five games. I'm talking about Arsenal, the current league leaders at the moment. They've got Man City hunting them down, but they've got that five-point buffer at the moment. They play a wounded Crystal Palace side this weekend. Man City don't play is this another great opportunity to land another psychological blow if you're Arsenal? Yeah, I think that Arsenal are definitely going to win this weekend. I think that with Palace, it seems to have gone a little bit stale under Vieira. There's been some rumours about his position. Um, I think they, they haven't won a, a game all year. Uh, I think it shows that they really do seem to lack confidence at the moment. Um, and it's difficult to see them going to Arsenal and getting anything. I think they've got the players to cause Arsenal some problems in transition. I think Arsenal have been a little bit a little bit worse defensively in recent weeks. They have been given off chances, but I don't think that's gonna be enough for Palace, even if they get the chances. I don't have full faith in them taking taking chances here. Um and I think with Arsenal they just look so fluent in attack at the moment and they'll see us as a huge opportunity, as you say, to go further clear at the top of the league. Um I looks to me like one of the most obvious results of the weekend. Um so yeah I'm quite happy going strong on Arsenal. I think it's gonna be three one. I can maybe see Palace getting something uh, as a consolation, um, maybe as Arsenal switch focus to, you know, try and rest a couple of players. But yeah, I think that Arsenal gonna gonna win this one, and yeah, really take a a firm grip of the the title challenge and and move ahead of of City by a, a substantial margin, even if City do have games in hand. And scoreline prediction for this one? Uh, three one. Three one to Arsenal. Look, I I think. 
the problem for Crystal Palace in this game is even if they do go ahead, Arsenal are playing with that confidence at the moment that it doesn't seem to phase them if they go down. I mean, we saw against Bournemouth that comeback. Those games are so important when you're going for a league title to show the players almost, you know, it's almost like the players get to show themselves no matter what's going on in the game, we can come back. And if Crystal Palace, you know, go ahead in this game, they got to hope they go ahead as late as humanly possible because Arsenal seem to be able to claw teams back regardless of, you know, how many goals they go behind. So scoring an early goal, I don't think does much for Crystal Palace. Obviously, you, you, you want to score any way you can if you're Crystal Palace at the moment. They're struggling to get shots on target. They're breaking up to records for not getting shots on target, which is never a good thing. Um, Crystal Palace of old, you know, Crystal Palace with the fit Zaha, Crystal Palace with that great counter-attacking football that they were playing maybe has a chance against this Arsenal team in in transition. We know Arsenal will have a lot of the ball. Crystal Palace probably will be happy to give it to them and then look to break on the counter-attack. Again, previous Crystal Palaces, I'd probably give them a chance, but I just can't see them getting enough distance away from Arsenal to be able to secure a result in this one, unless, you know, somehow they get a really, really late goal and the clock almost just runs out on Arsenal to be able to respond. But yeah, I'm, I'm with you on this one. We'll end in harmony with a 3-1 Arsenal win. And that would, again, land another psychological blow, as I hinted to at the beginning, where, yes, it means Arsenal would have played more games than Man City, but they will have the points on the board. They will show that they're just continuing to win games. Um Man City obviously have priorities elsewhere this week with the Champions League. And if they go through on that, those priorities continue. Um, looking at Man City as well in terms of FA Cup, they played Arsenal, they beat Arsenal, they're in through to the next round. They play Burnley on Saturday. So even that, you know, Man City will know by the time Arsenal play whether or not they still have to concentrate on the Champions League, the FA Cup, um, as well as the Premier League. It's it's going to be a tough ask for them to 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 claw Arsenal down. But as we've seen in the past, if anyone can do it, it's Manchester City and, and the way they've done it in the past. But Jake, that's going to do it for another episode of A Tad Predictable. Nice short and sweet one, this one. Uh, just the seven games. But do you have anything you want to plug, put over, promote before we wrap up? Um, no, you get me on Twitter at Jake Jackman, two ends. I post anything I write there. And uh, obviously, check out EPL Index and the EPL Roundtable podcast. Awesome stuff. Yeah, guys, from my end, um, as Jake has mentioned, EPL Index website, there's post-match, there's match previews, post-match reviews, player performances, all of the news that you guys could wish for. Obviously, feature writers, writers like Jake. Definitely go check out all of his content there. Of course, there's the daily podcast, the two-footer podcast with Dave Hendrick. Dave was currently on a well-deserved holiday at the moment or rest. Um, so he's not been able to do that show recently, but it should be back soon enough. Finally, also go check out the flagship show that runs weekly. Jake mentioned it. It's the EPL roundtable where Kev DeVries sits down with panelists from respective EPL teams. They do reviewings and previewings of the happenings around the EPL. Go and follow at a tad predictable on Twitter. Go follow at EPL index on Twitter. Subscribe to EPL index on your podcast channel providers. Give us five stars, write positive comments. That stuff really goes a long way. Tell the suits upstairs through those comments that you don't want Guy Drinkle to win this title. I'm doing everything I can. I'm bringing all the guests. 
in order to make sure that he doesn't win this title. Um, I've been Tadio Chinakir. You can find me on the Twitter handle at Tad Predicts. Huge thank you to Obi Semenya. He's at John Empire SA and Jody McKenna. She's at Spursy141. They do our guest intros. Our producer behind the glass, Mr. Guy Drinkle. He's at Guy Drinkle on Twitter. He's been Jake Jackman. He's at Jake Jackman with two N's on Twitter. And remember, Chisinga Perry, Chinoshua. Podcast Network.